Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Hello, and welcome to the second season of the Behind the Curtain Podcast. I'm Aaron Ivey, and joining me today is co-host Richard Roy. Hey. hey. How's it going? That's pretty good. Oh, good. It's been a few weeks since our listeners have heard from us, and that's because there have been several changes happening here at the enterprise companies. In the last few months, we would like to talk about a few of those today and then discuss them more fully over the coming episodes. Oh, there's been so much going on. I mean, I know you and I work incredibly closely on marketing, and obviously I help you produce this podcast. But tell me about some of the things that you've been seeing going on in the industry as a whole with property management and the investment side of things. And what have you done within house to kind of bring yourself closer to meeting those needs in a more polished way? Sure. There's there has been so much going on in the industry. You know, this is one of those times where we are taking a moment and we're considering where we've been. What's all the energy been about? Has it been good? Has it been bad? What kind of decisions have we made, you know, as investors? And I think as business owners, I think as just normal people, we're all just sort of considering, wow, COVID happened, you know, and is now over more or less. And so the effects on the economy that COVID had are also beginning to weaken. So this current marketplace is interesting because it's, in my opinion, post-COVID. So that's pretty cool. It's encouraging for me and I think for a lot of investors to think about the fact that those factors aren't so much at play anymore. As far as enterprise property management is concerned, there have been so many changes, so many of which we're going to unpack you know, in the coming episodes. The changes in-house mainly have been, and this is a secret, so don't tell anybody, we're overstaffed. Right now, we have got so many people working in customer service that as the economy has slowed down, we are wondering what to do, you know, with a lot of those people. In this labor market, that's a perfect place to be. I think so. But, but do keep it quiet because we don't want people poaching. No, 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 no. Yeah, no poaching. So, it, yeah, so we've we've got good talent. They are much more relaxed now than they were even three or four months ago when the market was still, you know, really pushing the the last few weeks of the, the boom, if you will, which is settling in right now. We're not going to mention in the R word yet, but I'm sure we will in the future. And and so, yeah, we've got people that are currently expanding their knowledge, their their capacity to do better work with enterprise, getting a better feel for the tools. I've got a lot of people that work in customer support that are actively getting their real estate licenses, which is really cool. Real estate licenses and property management have a different purpose than a real estate license for sales. And so you can do certain things as an agent that you can't do as a property manager unless you're an agent. That's a very interesting transition. We've got so many new tools and so much new technology. It makes my head spin. There have been improvements in all manner of communication that we have with homeowners, mainly with a company we use called Property Meld. A lot of our homeowners like it. Some of them don't like it. We understand. We've got a new call center service that is doing a much, much better job of conveying information to whichever party needs to know it, whether it's vendors or tenants or homeowners about maintenance issues as they're ongoing 24 hours a day. So that's great. And we've got, you know, improved marketing at this point, just speaking of you and, and how important it is that people know who we are and what services we provide. And so that's been a massive improvement as well. 
Well, talk about property meld for a minute. What what kind of services are they offering to you, and what difference is that making from a homeowner's perspective, but also from the tenant perspective? Yeah, so property meld is a it's a service that we use. It is web based, so it's not an app. You would basically, if you're a tenant, you would go online and put in a, a work order there on property meld, and then that property meld once it is created, goes to several different parties. It goes, notification goes to the homeowner. Request is sent out to the vendor to do the work that's described there. There are automated workflows where the tenant is instructed as to how to upload photographs and make you know better description of exactly what it is that's happening at the property. Give their contact information, give their availability for the vendor to be able to come out to the property. And then we have my favorite part of Property Meld, which is a chat feature that's inside of the service to where the managers at Enterprise can speak with anybody at any time and have that record of communication right there, all the way down to requesting for approvals from homeowners, which they can then review and ask questions without ever having to pick up the phone. A neat thing about Property Meld combined with our new call center is that we have skilled customer service representatives that are skilled in property management and maintenance 24 hours a day. So if there are late night decisions, emergency decisions that need to be made, that call center is able to help us by taking care of that business so I can get some rest. So I love it. You know, I love not having to answer the phone 24 hours well, a day. Well, the reality of it is we've all got to sleep at some point, haven't we? Right. As a business owner, I know what it's like to be on 24-7, but you've got to have your break and the business carries on while you're asleep. Absolutely. That's probably been the best improvement to customer service for our tenants. It's important to point out, you know, a lot of property management companies out there, they are going to really put a lot of emphasis on customer service for investors and for homeowners. But the tenants just have to run this mouse maze to get to the reward. And most tenants, in my experience, don't want to run a maze at all. They want to have as many easy interactions and efficient interactions as possible with the management company. So we want to try to continue to provide that for them. And it's keeping in mind that it's the whole experience of the tenant that is going to lead them to want to renew their lease when it comes renewal time. And that's one of the, the marketing aspects we've talked about a number of times. How do we market to our tenants and get them to want to enjoy the experience, talk fondly of us, and then renew their lease? Yeah. I mean, it, residents are everything. We are working with a new reputation management company and they are having a webinar on a regular basis about how to improve resident experiences, you know, and, and how to retain residents, you know, big apartment complexes, they have tenant retention or resident retention programs for single family homeowners, who is the number one audience for this podcast. It's much more difficult to come up with a tenant reward program or a tenant retention program. And the environment that we've been in for the last eight years has been one where rents have increased anywhere from 6%, honestly, on the bottom year over year, all the way up to certain months, it felt like we were increasing 10%. And, and those were, you know, crazy spikes. And so tenants all over the country are experiencing absurdly high rents, you know, largely based on inflation, but also, and this is something else we'll talk about later, based on the factors that the investor 
lending situation has has have presented. So in other words, if the buyer of a property in 2022 has to pay, you know, a 5% or a 6% interest rate, and they're paying a much higher cost for the property that they've acquired, they're going to have to pass a lot of that cost on to the resident. And so residents across the country, probably to the tune of millions of households are paying more in rent now. And I just read this than they have in the last 20 years. Rents have never been higher. Inflation has been the same way, highest in 20 years. So we are sitting atop of this 20 year cycle or boom or whatever you want to call it curve. So there's very little flexibility. So to your point, services, efficiency, responsiveness, these are things that we can continue to offer our tenants so that they continue to remain with enterprise property management. Now, you mentioned that rents are high at the moment. And where do you see rent going in the next short term, let's call short term six months, but on into a year and two years from now? So it's really, really interesting. Another article that I read this morning referred to the current marketplace as moving in the direction of stagflation. And this is like for house property sales. Okay. So where are the asking prices? Where are the list prices of these properties going? And the answer is they are flat for the most part. I think one of the factors that I saw said that the growth year over year for the months ending in April of this year was less than 3%. And so when you add in the rate of inflation into all of that, it's less than the rate of inflation year over year. So that means that the market's flat. A good analogy to that would be looking at the stock market. The Dow, which is pretty much the only one that I watch, has been bouncing around between 32,000 and 33,500 just over and over again for the last at least 18 months. And it's because there's no there's no volatility there. Interest rates are, you know, pretty much set. We knew where we were going. The Fed was very open and clear about it. So how does that affect rents, right? Because rents are a trailing indicator of the overall consumer health and and what they're having to to pay in order to remain in their property. So as property values have more or less flatlined at this high plateau, this top sort of straight line, rents have done the exact same thing. They aren't necessarily softening. They're flatlining right now. Rents are not going up in the same way that they used to go up, which is good. It's good news for the tenant. It lets the resident get a better understanding of the environment that they're in. And it also lets homeowners know, you know, hey, this is pretty close to the real value of this property. So if you're looking to purchase real estate, you could use the last 12 months as a great basis for your projection of where rents are going to go. I don't see rents for properties as continuing to increase. What we have right now is pretty much what tenants can expect. And I do believe that tenants are going to see a softening in certain neighborhoods. Sorry to drone on and on about what I've been reading, you know, but this other article that I read this morning said that more expensive neighborhoods and more expensive cities in the United States are going to see the greatest decline in their home values. That is a regional assessment, but then we have the local assessment and you can take any city in America and do this, take the same concept, apply it to our city. There are neighborhoods inside of Memphis and the surrounding communities that are more expensive. Well, those neighborhoods are likely to see the most, you know, softening or dropping in the home values. Now, thanks to smart investing, our investors have invested in middle income and lower income properties. So the volatility is going to be a lot less. 
with those. And we expect to see rents remain stable for a long time. So given what you've said about rent prices and, and you expect them to go up a little bit, but not huge amounts, where does that place the new investor to find a property that allows them to meet that 1% rule? So the 1% rule is, is a great measure. It is, you know, more or less that every month that the property is occupied, the asking rent on that property is equal in value to 1% of the purchase price of the property. So that's the 1% rule. That is a gross rule, right? We're not talking about net anything, but you can go net 1% and that's potentially more challenging to achieve. Would you not consider the price? Let's say you find a house that is $100,000, but it needs a lot of work done and you get a quote for that work. And by the time you've got that work completed, you're at about 114. So you're at $114,000, 14% over where you wanted to be. Is that now the figure that you're looking to get the 1% from? I think so. I think you can adjust it to that, but it also comes down to, you know, what you're doing with that cash. And so you'd have to really be a cash flow spreadsheet nerd, which is a good thing in order to be able to account for the cash that you're putting into the property after acquisition. Now, the 1% rule is also, it's not perfect. It's just a good metric to use to consider a property for acquisition. So yeah, I mean, the cost of rehab, one of the things that we do at Enterprise Property Management when we evaluate a property for investor acquisition is we send out a contractor to the property. We often have them visit us at the property, at the showing, and we walk the property and we take pictures and we take notes. And that contractor then gives us a ballpark figure for what is going to be needed at that property in order to make it rentable. So if we're doing all of that during the contract process, then the investor has the opportunity to say, okay, I'm aware that I'm going to need to put in that 14,000 or that 20,000. And, and for honestly, if for, for the deals that are out there right now, houses that are currently uninhabited, that are maybe boarded up in poorer parts of town, those houses are going to need three to five times the amount of the purchase price to be reinfused into that home in order to bring it up to livable standards. For instance, there's an investor that I'm working with right now. He's very, very interested in very cheap properties. And he found one in the Mallory neighborhood, which is a popular neighborhood for rehabs. And the property itself costs, I think at $10,000. So it's a $10,000 home. All that home is right now are four walls and a conventional foundation with holes and a roof. That's it. So he's going to have to go in and put everything back into it. Now, the end value of that property after rehab is probably somewhere between seventy-five dollars and $85,000, right? So he's already done all of this work. It's now up to us to go and evaluate the exact cost of that rehab in order to remodel the property. Rents on that property also are going to be right at $750 to $795. So that means that if he buys it for 10, puts 40 into it, now he's at $50,000 all in, along with whatever carrying costs that he's had during the rehab, he will have exceeded the 1% rule once the property can be refinanced. And so, and the refinance situation is also not really great right now. So in future podcasts, we're going to be speaking with 
Joe Garner, who's a licensed mortgage broker. And she's going to be telling us what the environment is right now and how to operate inside of that so that you can be successful in your acquisition. So let me tell you a little bit about the Memphis marketplace right now, the rental marketplace. It's very interesting. There are a lot of investors who have purchased in Memphis. It's not a bad thing. Investors have different ideologies as to how they're going to operate their properties. Some of them just want to be slumlords, right? They just want to buy the property, clean it up, make sure all the faucets work, move the tenant in, wish them the best. And they're probably not going to do a very good job of maintaining that property while they have it. Then we have the middle ground, which is most of the investors that I work with who do light refurbishing of properties. So they buy it, they realize it needs surfaces or what I like to call it. So that could be floors, walls, ceilings, roof, countertops, bathrooms. So just the basics. We're not looking to do like a huge infusion of cash into these properties. We just want to make them better than they were when we bought them and functional and then lease them out for a reasonable amount of rent to cash flow. And then the flippers, they're not as energized right now just to the current economic climate. They go in, of course, they they take this $10,000 house and they'll put $70,000 into it and they will make it perfect. And so that really raises the standard for properties that are out there in the market. Now to tenants, those perfect houses are going to come at a premium. What tenants want are the premium houses. What they can afford are the houses that we work with, which are a light remodel. So right now out there in the market, we're seeing a lot of like large scale remodels. We're seeing a lot of this flipper product that's very, very expensive. And so that it's sitting on the market longer because tenants are not able to pay those rents. I do expect to see those very, very high premium rents begin to come down. I would say by midsummer to late summer, because these investors are going to be tired of sitting on vacant property. The middle property, I think previously you had mentioned reputation in a, in a previous conversation with, with enterprise and our marketplace over 20 years experience just with my company and then 45 years of experience with my family's companies. So we have a reputation. And so having that middle income housing that is affordable, maybe on the high end of affordable, but still affordable and coming with a good name when it comes to tenant relationships, customer service. These are the properties that are moving honestly very quickly because they're the best of both worlds. They're not incredibly expensive, but they're also fully functional, clean, move-in ready. So there are a lot of the high-end properties. There are a lot of the low-end properties. There aren't as many middle-income properties. So we're finding currently we have 11 properties vacant, which is extremely low. I think you would agree. 10 years ago, we would say we had 30, 25 to 30 properties vacant per month. So right now with these 11, they're showing all day long. And we are using our real estate skill and experience and standards to find the best applications for these properties and trying to return that value back to our homeowners. And they always reserve the right to say no to any tenant that you put forth. Yes, they reserve that right. However, they do need to operate inside of the standards that we've set. So if you could clarify for me in Memphis, what would you say is the medium and which is the premium rent ranges? Because someone out of town, it might look very different. Yeah. So in Memphis, we're seeing the average rent range for a middle income, call it a two bedroom, one bath house somewhere between 995 on the bottom 
and then all the way up to fourteen fifteen ninety five on the top, depending on what part of the city we're in. There are premium neighborhoods around Memphis, and I won't get into those. We can talk about them later if anybody would like to give me a call. But those premium neighborhoods really aren't good. It's not a good environment for investment because it's too expensive to get into those neighborhoods. In those neighborhoods, a two-bedroom, one-bath condominium could go for as much as $2,600, $2,800, $3,000 because there are amenities, you know, in those communities for like three bedroom, two bath house. I think we're seeing anywhere from 1300 on the bottom. That would be a a small three bedroom, two bath house with no garage all the way up to $2,200 for a nicer three bedroom, two bath house with a garage, probably in a community, you know, with higher expectations for the residents there. One of the things that's very interesting about this economy as it affects the rental market is You know, an energetic economy is energetic for everybody, right? So the guy that, let's say, delivers your favorite soda, right, every morning, that guy is slammed. He has got so many stores he's got to fill. He's got deliveries. There's traffic everywhere. It's stressful. And, And he's literally got more work to do than he does when there's less energy in the economy, which there is right now. It's the same thing for home buyers. It's the same thing for renters. It's the same thing for insurance companies. These companies are doing so much more during a more energetic economy than they are right now. One of the big questions that our investors are asking themselves is, how do I behave in an economy where prices are still pretty high for move-in ready property? Financing, cost of financing is high, right? Interest rates are high. I looked at the 30-year investment loan today and it's right at 7% with like a 7.5% APR. That's with 20% down on a $120,000 loan. So the borrowing costs are higher. Closing costs on that loan would be anywhere from $2,800 to $3,500. So investors are, are thinking, well, how do, I, how do I bridge this gap, right? Like how do I continue to acquire property? Because there are some good deals out there. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about in coming episodes with Joe Garner are loan products that are not typical to the investment marketplace. Uh, Banks want investors to jump through certain hoops. They want them to clear certain hurdles. They want to see deposits in their bank here locally if they're borrowing from a local bank. They want to see cash reserves for that investor. They definitely want to see 20% down. And then the investment rate is going to be a little higher than a typical mortgage. What Joe's going to teach us on our next episode is how to use programs like the DSCR program, which is also known as the Debt Service Cash Return Loan Program. I won't even get into it right now because I won't do it justice, but basically there are lenders that are out there that are able to take the equity and recognize the equity that you have in current properties and basically lend to you on that equity when there are situations where there is not enough cash to be able to fund the entire property in cash. One interesting thing that Joe had told me before is that the minimum amount that you can be loaned on a DSCR loan is $100,000, which is a really interesting factor in this whole process. I think it's actually better for investors to say, okay, if I'm going to use the equity that I have in my in my current properties to purchase a property in Memphis, Tennessee, I have to spend at least $100,000. So that's going to raise the bar on the properties that they expect to get for $100,000 because that's a significant amount of money for an investor these days. Using the DSCR program and then other loan programs that Joe's going to offer, that helps bridge the gap for investors until interest rates come down. 
As you can see, Aaron's shared a lot of great information today. One thing that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to have plenty of cats in plenty of bags and we're going to let them all go. So if you want to hear the nitty gritty about real estate, tune in and listen to Aaron as he talks. If someone wants to get in touch with you, Aaron, how do they reach you? So I can be reached pretty much at any time at this number, 901-207-8702. They can also reach me at propertymanagementmemphis.com. They can send me an email there. If you're like me, you want to talk directly to the source. So Aaron's put himself out there. Abuse his phone number right there. What's that number again, Aaron? The number is 901-207-8702. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.